Wow. Welcome to Crossroads Church. And if you are just wondering what in the world did I just see? <laughs> Man, we have some talented folks around here, don't we? And really, you know, we just wanted to share the sentiment with you, right? I mean, if, uh, New Year's Eve in my neighborhood, probably in your neighborhood too, was like 4th of July. I mean, fireworks, right? I mean, people around the globe have been saying goodbye 2020. It is good to see you go. Good riddance 2020. In fact, for us, we realize that when we gather together on the weekends that we're, we're like a family, and sometimes family do silly things. And so we thought, hey, let's just put into music, let's just put into words what many of us have been feeling. And so that's what that was. Happy New Year to you. Welcome to those of you here at Thornton Campus and to those of you watching online. I'm Pastor Chris, one of the pastors here. And this weekend, uh, we are starting a new series called Goodbye 2020. And here we are, 2021. Who's ready for a new year? A fresh start? Yeah, maybe some new plans that hopefully don't get canceled. In fact, I'm curious to know uh, from you, for those of you who are watching online, type in the chat, what is it that you're most looking forward to in 2021? Uh, for me, it's plans maybe not being canceled. Uh, for me, it's eating inside some of my favorite restaurants and not having to take it home and get it all soggy uh, on the drive. And, uh, and I'm also excited to see what God has for us for not only Crossroads Church, but his church around the globe, because we know that he is up to something big. What are you looking forward to most in 2021? Because I would guess that for every one of us watching today, that 2020 left a scar on us, didn't it? For all of us, those scars look a little bit different, but for every single one of us, my guess is that coming out of 2020, we all have a, a bit of a scar, maybe even a, a limp. For some of us, it's the birthday parties that turn into drive-bys. It's holidays that turned into Zoom calls. It's the Broncos having to play without a quarterback one week, which really, I guess, has been true since Peyton Manning retired. <laughs> but for others of us, those scars run a little bit deeper, don't they? Maybe it's you lost your job and you're having some financial challenges. Maybe it's the scars of having to navigate remote learning, which, by the way, teachers and school faculty, man, we thank you for your hard work. We know not yes, let's thank them. Across the board, it's been a challenge, hasn't it? And, you know, we look at other scars, like just being at home and isolation and, and finances, and, and some of us, we even lost a loved one in 2020. It left its mark, didn't it? And man, we want to make sure that we start 2021 off on the right foot. Because not only maybe physical marks that 2020 left on us and financial wounds that we have, but we also have some emotional wounds, don't we, from 2020. In fact, if I were to ask you, how are you really? How are you today? How's your soul? What's going on inside of you? And here's the thing is that um, for, 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 the, for the majority of us, in fact, a Gallup poll just came out a few weeks ago that said that in the U.S., mental health, emotional health, has been the is at the lowest point that it's been in over two decades. 
how are you really? Which is why we thought over these next few weeks, for these first three weeks of 2021, what would it look like for us to stop and to take a few weeks just to really check our souls? What's going on in here? And how do we start 2021 off on the right foot? And so what we're going to be talking about over these next three weeks are the emotions of anger, fear, and today we're going to be looking at this emotion of loneliness. And here, if I was a betting man, here's what I would bet, is that every single one of us, every single one of us who is listening today, that every single one of us have, have felt these three emotions and others on some, on some level. We've been angry at times. We've been afraid of the unknown. And for many of us, we've experienced an incredible sense of loneliness. And here's why we're doing this over these next three weeks is because here's the scary question. And, and here's the question that maybe all of us have thought about, but none of us are brave, to, brave enough to ask. But what if 2021 isn't any better? What if it's not any better? What if it doesn't bring about the answers we're hoping for, the relief that we're looking for, the sense of normalcy that we are hoping for? What if 2021 isn't the answer? Now, I'm not trying to create some anxiety in you. Maybe there's some that's already there that's being stirred a little bit in you. But, 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 but here's the thing is that we want to ask these hard questions now so that we don't have a rude awakening later. And so today, as we're going to look at the first topic of this series, as we look at loneliness, how have you experienced loneliness this year? I mean, physically, we've all experienced social distancing, this new thing for, for all of us that, that, that everyone, you're, you're, you know, even now, like hugs or handshakes are, are kind of taboo, that we have a, a physical barrier between us and, and everybody else. Maybe for some of us, it's been quarantine, it's been staying at home, and, and we've experienced these new uh, depths of loneliness. It's, it's, it's maybe the, the isolation, and, or maybe for some of us, our houses are just way too quiet because our spouse or that other loved one, that family member, that friend died. And the loneliness is just sort of creeping in. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today, because there's an answer for us. There's some relief for our souls when it comes to our loneliness. And so I'm going to pray, and then we are going to dive into God's word together. So would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today, and we do. We thank you for a new year. Man, what a crazy year 2020 has been. And God, with a new year, it reminds us that you are up to new things. And so, Father, my prayer today is that as we come into this new year, those different scars that we bear, the, the different things that we're carrying right now, Father, my prayer for all of us is that you would meet us where we're at, that you would bring about healing to our souls. Father, that we might, that we might find new life in you. And Father, it's in your Son's name we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. So over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at the same story. It's a long story in the Old Testament. It takes place in the book of 1 Samuel. And I'm, what I'm going to do today is give you the 
foot view, okay? And then each week we're going to go back and look at different parts of this story. But what we see in 1 Samuel is that Israel, the nation of Israel, God's people, that originally they did not have a king. They were ruled by judges, and, 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 and it was, God intended it for, be, to, for him to be their ruler, to be their leader. But Israel wanted a king, and so, so God uh, anointed this man named Saul. Not the Saul that we know who became Paul in the New Testament, but King Saul, who was the very first king of Israel. And at the beginning, Saul was this amazing guy. He was a a good-looking, stand-up sort of man and, and, and a pretty good leader, and people followed him, and he was doing a pretty good job. But then over the course of his reign, he, he began to sort of do his own thing, and he, and he began to be a little bit disobedient and not really following what God was wanting to do. And so, so there in the middle of the book of 1 Samuel, uh, God rejects Saul as king because of his disobedience. And after this, there's a, there's a prophet named Samuel. And Samuel hears from God that he's going to reject Saul. And then God tells Samuel, I want you to go to this man's house named Jesse. And there Jesse has a lot of sons, and I'm going to anoint one of them as king. He has eight sons. And so Jesse goes, uh, or Samuel goes to Jesse's house and says, hey, God's anointing a new king, and it's one of your sons. Can you bring your sons here? And so he brings seven of the eight in front of Samuel, and Samuel says, nope. Nope, 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 nope. And he's like, do you have any more sons? What's going on? This is the house where, where, where God wants to anoint the new king. And he says, well, yeah. Jesse says, yeah, we have one more son. He's the youngest. He's the baby of the family. He's out in the field. He's a little green behind the ears. He's watching sheep. He doesn't have any leadership skills. Nobody really listens to him. He's, he's the one, he's a shepherd boy. He says, bring him here. Sure enough, he brings David into the room and, and, and God tells Samuel, this is the one. This is the man who I want to be king next. And so Samuel anoints David with oil, representing his anointing as the next king of Israel. Now, he doesn't become king right away. He's got a lot of growing up to do and a lot of learning to do. And so he continues to, to, to uh, uh, shepherd his sheep. And in the meantime, Israel is in one of the battles with uh, one of their main enemies, the Philistines. And you've probably heard the story. Philistines had this giant named Goliath. Okay? And, and the deal was this, that, hey, Israel, you bring out your best warrior. We'll send out Goliath. And the two of those can fight. And then whoever wins that side will win. And, and here's the thing, nobody in Israel wanted to fight this man. He was huge. He was taller than Jeff Tompkins. He was like nine feet tall, all right? And, and so nobody wanted to, to fight this guy until David comes along one day with his little sling that he's been practicing out in the fields. And, and he's like, I'll go out there. And so he, everybody's like laughing at him. No, 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 he can't do this. And he, he picks up some stones, goes out there and, uh, and faces Goliath. Goliath is talking trash. David throws a stone at his head, knocks him down, runs up, grabs his sword, cuts off his head and kills him. And, 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 and then they chase down the Philistines. I mean, talk about savage, this newly anointed king of Israel. You see, everything was going well for David because from that point on, anything that he put his hands to, he had success. 
In fact, he was given a seat at the king's table. He was put in charge of the, the armies of Israel. Everything was going well for David. You see, the young ladies adored him. The young men wanted to be him. In fact, one time he was coming home and, and the, the women made a, wrote a song uh, f- for David and they were out in the streets dancing and singing this song about David. You know, things could not go any better for David, but he knew that they were going to get better because one day he was actually going to sit on the throne of Israel. It was like 2019 for David. Nothing could get him down. Nothing could stop him. Life was good. But then, March of 2020 came around. And Saul, King Saul, gets jealous. He gets jealous of this young boy. He he not only gets jealous, he gets fearful. He gets angry. And he seeks out to end David's life. He's throwing spears at him. David's dodging. I mean, anything that Saul could do, he is is trying to destroy David. And so as a result, David runs. He he escapes in the night and and he takes off running into the countryside. And so now David, the anointed king of Israel, is running for his life. He's sleeping in trees and hiding in streams and valleys and pits. And it got so bad for David. Imagine this. It got so bad for David that he even went to Goliath's hometown looking for help. And there in Goliath's hometown, he realized that he made a bad move going there. He pretends to be insane. He drools all over himself so that they'll let him go. And he goes on the run again. And then here in um, 1 Samuel chapter 22, it says this. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. The anointed king of Israel, loved by everyone, successful in all that he did, was now completely alone in a cold, dark, wet cave. And I wonder if going through David's mind was he was sitting there all by himself. I wonder if he asked questions like we do, like, what happened? What's going on? What? This isn't how it was supposed to go. Everything was going well for me, and, and this is not how it's supposed to be. This isn't right. And for many of us, this is how 2020 has been. It has been a year for us that has brought us to the cave. And for many of us, there we are sitting in the cave, feeling utterly alone and isolated. And though our reasons may be different for for being in the cave, you see, David had literal people chasing him down with spears. Though our reasons for being in the cave might be different, the cave is the same for everyone, isn't it? The cave is the same for everyone. It's lonely. It's scary. It's dark. It's unknown. 
And isn't it interesting that despite the, the technology that we have, I mean, I'm thankful that we can have Zoom calls and FaceTime and stuff, but isn't it interesting that, that despite the technology we have, we are more lonely than ever before? If you've been around Crossroads at all for, for any amount of time, you know that when we talk about emotions, we know that they are gifts of God, that emotions are neither good nor bad, they're not positive or negative, they are, they are gifts from God and they are meant to be indicators pointing to something that needs attention. Something's not right, something needs your attention, something needs to be fixed or, or some healing needs to happen. And for many of us, loneliness is pointing to the fact that we are created for relationships, aren't we? That God created us from the very beginning in his image. And one of, one, one of the things that that means is that he created us for relationships. In fact, it's in community. Have you ever thought about this? It's in community that you really know who you are. That if you're a loving person, you only know that based on the people you're around. If you're completely isolated, there's no way that you can be a loving person. You see, for introverts and extroverts alike, it's, it's in community, community that we know who we are. And so after 10 months of social distancing and quarantine and, and church online and canceled holidays and, and deaths of loved ones, it's catching up to us. And there we are, our loneliness is signaling, hey, there's something wrong. Now for David, we don't know how long he was in that cave. Some scholars say up to six months that he was alone. Just imagine being completely alone in a dark cave. So we don't know exactly how long he was there, but, but while he was there, he wrote two psalms. And he wrote two psalms, and that's where we're going to look at the rest of our time today, these two psalms. The first one that he wrote is Psalm 142. And I love how David writes these psalms because, man, it just gives words to what you're feeling, doesn't it? And he doesn't mince words. He doesn't candy coat them. He just sort of says it like it is. And in Psalm 142, this is the first one that he writes when he's in the cave. He says this, with my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, there is none who take notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me for, from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. Here David is just crying out to God. He's like, God, hear me, please. God, if there is anything that you can do today, would you hear me and would you have mercy on me? It hurts. I'm scared. This isn't how it's supposed to be. I'm alone. My soul is fainting. No one cares. Deliver me. Does that resonate with your soul today? You know, I talk to people who are hurting all the time. 
and it breaks my heart. I wish that I could rescue them from the cave. And one of the most important things that I talk about with people who are in that cave, in that season of suffering, in that loneliness is this, is that sometimes it's in the darkest caves that God does his deepest work. You see, it's sometimes in the darkest caves that God does his deepest work, that there's things that we experience in our pain. There's things that we learn about God in the cave that we can't learn anywhere else. And some of you know this firsthand. In fact, it's amazing to me when I talk to people who are going through some of the hardest times of their life, the most loneliest times of their lives, and they'll look at me with tears in their eyes and they'll say, Chris, man, this is the hardest thing, but I wouldn't change it for the world. And I'm like, why? Why wouldn't you change it? And they say, because the things that God is showing me, the ways that I'm experiencing him right now, man, I wouldn't change that for anything. But see, David, he doesn't understand that quite yet. He doesn't understand that God's about to do some incredible work in him. And he prays a prayer. And at the end of this chapter in verse 7, I'll read it again. It says this, bring me out of my prison that I may give thanks to your name. Have you ever prayed that prayer? God, fix this situation. Bring about some resolve. Do something here so that I can praise your name. You see, we think that our praise... We think that our thanksgiving depends on God fixing our circumstances. But see, over the course of David's time in the cave, we don't know exactly what happened, but we begin to see God's work in him. And it's in the second psalm that he wrote in the cave. And this is Psalm 57. Psalm 57 is the second psalm that he wrote in the cave. And I'm going to read the first two verses first. It says this. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. And here it is. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. You see this truth that in our darkest caves, God does his deepest work, is starting to be made known to David to fulfill his purpose in him. One of my favorite books on leadership is A Tale of Three Kings. And Gene Edwards explains what's going on this way. He says this, caves are not the ideal place for morale building. There's a certain sameness to them all, no matter how many you have lived in, dark, wet, cold, stale. A cave even becomes worse when you are its sole inhabitant. And in the distance, you can hear the dogs baying. But sometimes when the dogs and hunters were not near, he sang. He started low and then he lifted up his voice and, and sang the song the little lamb had taught him. The cavern walls echoed each note just as the mountains once had done. The music rolled down into deep cavern darkness that soon became an echoing choir singing back to him. He had less now than he had when he was a shepherd. For now he had no instrument, no son, 
not even the company of his sheep. The memories of the court had faded. David's greatest ambition now reached no higher than a shepherd's staff. Everything was being crushed out of him. He sang a great deal and matched each note with a tear. How strange is it not what suffering brings? There in those caves, drowned in the sorrow of his song and in the song of his sorrow, David very simply became the greatest hymn writer and the greatest comforter of broken hearts this world will ever know. You see, it's in our darkest caves that God does his deepest work. And I want you to hear the tone of Psalm 57 begin to change. Again, from verse one, he says this, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful. For in you, my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, and here it is again, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. And then listen to this change. He says this, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps and my soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples, and I will sing praise to you among the nations, for your steadfast love is great to the heavens, and your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. For those of us in the cave, here's what we know. We know this, we know that our hope is not in getting out of the cave. In fact, our hope is much, much bigger than that. You see, 2020 may have been the thing that brought you into the cave, but 2021 is not what's going to bring you out. Here's where our hope is as followers of Jesus, is that when we are alone in the cave, the Savior is in the cave with us. He's with us. That when we feel alone, we actually aren't alone. That he is our refuge. That he is inviting us when we're discouraged, when we're frightened, when we're alone, to enter into the shadow of his wings. You see, that is our hope. Do we want to get out of the cave? Yes. Do we want our circumstances to change? Absolutely. But, but our hope is that when we are alone, we're not really alone. We just celebrated this last month and it, with Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us, that he went to every length to come and to be with us. That is what we know, is that God is with us. So now what do we do? What do we do? The same thing that David did. 
He worships in the cave. I love how he says, let your glory be over all the earth and and your faithfulness reaches to the sky when he couldn't even see the sky. But he worships in the cave. And that's what we do. His circumstances didn't change, but his soul comes alive to this incredible truth. And he says, your steadfast love is great to the heavens, God and your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Here's what you need to know, is that God is with you in your cave. Man, what an amazing truth. He's with you in your cave. No matter what it is that you're facing, no matter who you are, no matter how alone you are, he's with you. No matter if 2021 gets better or worse, he's with you. We have a God who is always with us. When everyone else leaves, he stays. When I'm unfaithful, he is faithful. When no one else understands, he understands. How can this be? How can the creator of the universe, the infinite God, the all-powerful God, be with me? Doesn't he know that there's like seven or eight billion other people that he needs to tend to? How can he be with me in the cave? And here's, here's how is that when Jesus was on the cross, he's the one that did experience complete loneliness. Do you remember that? When he was on the cross, representing our sin, the father turning his face away, and Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yet for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy? Guess what, it was you. It was you. It was you that you were on his mind when he was on the cross. The thought of being with you for eternity was the joy that was set before him and he endured the cross for you. Do you think that he would go through all of that suffering and all of that loneliness being separated from the Father to leave you now? Do you think that he would leave you now in your darkest cave? And he's there. He's there with you. So what does that look like for you to worship him in the cave? For those of you who are listening and, and maybe this is all new to you and you're not sure what it means to follow Jesus and, and you're not sure what any of this looks like, here's, here's my invitation to you is that he loves you so much that he came and paid the highest price so that he could be with you. That he's paid the price to forgive anything you've ever done or not done. And he loves you. And it's a simple matter of responding to that invitation. And so if that's you in this room, if that's you watching online, we wanna be able to follow up with you. We wanna be able to answer any questions you have, pray with you, walk with you through what this looks like. And so you simply just need to text the name Jesus to this number, 720-513-1933, and someone will get in touch with you and pray with you and talk with you. Before we go to the Lord's table today, I want to invite up Loretta Dudley. Loretta is the, the director of our prayer ministry here at Crossroads Church. 
And every week throughout this series, we are going to have a different person from our prayer ministry team come up and and close our sermon time uh, with a prayer. And so as Loretta comes up, what I want to ask of you is this, is that sometimes when we're in these moments, when we're in these caves, it's helpful for us to take a step Sometimes we can be so concerned and so uh, caught up in, in, in the loneliness and the darkness and the fear and everything that's going around us. And sometimes it's needed for us to actually take a step. So I'm going to ask you today to take a step that before we pray for you, I just want everyone to close your eyes. And if that's you today, if you are just experiencing and struggling through some loneliness, you're tired of being alone. You want your heart to change as David's did so that you can begin to worship him in the cave. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up and and take that step toward healing. Just slip your hand up, whether you're at home or here in this room. And Loretta's going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, You tell us in your word in John that in this world there will be tribulation, but you have overcome the world, and oh, we are so thankful for that. And Lord, you tell us in Romans that neither height nor depth nor anything created can separate us from your love. Thank you, Jesus, that we can always always depend on that. Nothing can separate us from your love. And Father, for those who are in the cave, I pray that you would speak to their hearts in ways that they will know that they are in that cave with you and that that cave is not forever. Lord, I ask that you would speak to us, that we would know the purpose of being in that cave because you didn't create us just to be. You created us to do kingdom work, Lord. And so I thank you, Father, that there is a purpose in that cave. Father, I ask that you would break the chains of loneliness that have some people so bound up that they can't see you or hear you. I pray, Father, that those chains would blow away like dust in the wind and be replaced with your holiness and your glory surrounding them, Jesus, that their eyes would be lifted to you, that they would be filled with your peace and your joy, that they would know that they would have the strength to say, nothing can separate me from my Lord and my Savior. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for always being with us, for always loving us, for always being our source of strength and comfort and peace. And we just say hallelujah and amen. We love you, Lord. And we pray all of these things in the precious, sweet name of Jesus. Amen. We remember Jesus' sacrifice today with the bread and the cup. And it was on that night that Jesus was betrayed that he took the bread and he broke it and he passed it around and he 
said, whenever you eat of this bread, remember my body that's been given for you. Let's remember together. And in the same way, taking the cup and giving thanks, he passed it around and he said, whenever you drink of this cup, remember my blood, the power of God for the forgiveness of sins shed for you. Let's remember together. Let's sing. Let's sing.